Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. church. As Pastor Matt had mentioned, my name is Chris Layton. I am a serving elder here at the Evangelical Free Church of Canton, and I want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to serve in this capacity. I've served now for, this will be my fourth year, and it truly is a blessing. But before I get started, I wanted to recognize somebody And I know that all the glory goes to God, but God works through people. And there are many pastors, many elders here at this church, many people that God uses on a day-to-day basis. But I want to recognize one of them, and that is Pastor Matt. He's been with our congregation now for almost four years, but I want to give glory to God for raising up a faithful steward of what he's been given. Okay? I count it as a privilege, and so should you, each week that you can come and we can gather and that we can sit under solid, clear, biblical teaching. Because these days, that's hard to come by. So thank you, Pastor Matt, for being faithful and using your giftedness as God has given to teach us. Thank you. Now, the expectation is probably really high. Because we get, to, we get to learn from a truly gifted teacher, right? So I am going to lower your expectations right off the bat. Because I am not him. Okay? So if any of you are now disappointed with that, I will give you 30 seconds. You can stand up. You can go. Nobody's going to look or judge, right? Caden, go ahead. All right. All joking aside, it truly is an honor to be able to share with you this morning. So let me pray. Father God, we are thankful for you. We recognize you as a holy God. You were high and lifted up, and we thank you for the gift of your word. We would know nothing about you if it wasn't for you revealing to us your truth through your word and through your spirit. May you dwell with us today. May the words that come out of my mouth be pleasing and glorifying to you. And I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So today... We continue with the series, Tolerable Sins. Pastor Matt had mentioned that in the announcements. And for those of you that are new and wondering, this may be a very controversial title. And he alluded to that. However, let me explain what it means. It does not mean that we should be passive or apathetic and tolerate sin. Correct? Sin is very serious in the eyes of God, and we want to have the same view of sin as what he has. But the reality is, is that we as Christians often are quick to condemn certain types of sins while tolerating sin in our own life. So the major purpose of this series is to bring to surface some of those sins We so easily tolerate and normally don't challenge ourselves to put to death within our own lives. And I know that might be a strong use of words, but that's really what it is. It's a war. We need to put sin to death in our own lives. And we can only do that one way, and that's through Jesus and through his spirit. So Pastor Matt has been talking about what sin means. He has communicated that the word sin at its root 
is an archery term. He has given this picture, each message, and the archery term is missing the mark. If you can picture the archer pulling back the arrow, aiming for the target, and missing the bullseye. I think oftentimes we think that we hit around the bullseye, but if really, if we compare ourselves to the holiness of God, we don't even make it there. We either overshoot, we're not, we're not even close, okay, but... He was demonstrating that sin in his past messages, the actual word means to miss the mark. So Romans 3 tells us this truth, right? Romans 3 says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But thankfully, that's not the end of the story. But we'll get to that later. So this is the fifth message in the series. We talked about the general topic of sin We learned about the sin of anger, impatience, and self-indulgence. We were challenged by Pastor Matt, who was challenged by Pastor Brandon, that we ought to memorize Scripture. It's a good practice for us to get into, isn't it? So what we're going to do is we're going to do exactly what we did last week. Some of you weren't with us last week, but you'll catch on pretty quick. We're going to go over those verses that we've been trying to memorize we'll see how we're all doing, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to read this together the first time. And then I'm going to remove the slide. And we're going to see if we could do it based on memory. Okay? So let's read this together. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Can we do that again? I have stored up your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Good job. Two might be more challenging. It's a little longer. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, Slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James 1, 19 through 20. All right, this might be challenging. Uh-oh, Pastor. I messed up your iPad up here. Play button. All right, I'm new on this technology. Forgive me. Okay, so let's say that. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James 1, 19 through 20. Okay, let's go back to an easy one. Remember this one? Let's let's do this one together. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm twenty seven fourteen. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm twenty seven fourteen. And then last week we were challenged with a new memory verse and it was this one but i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh galatians 5:16 let's try that again but i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the sins of... wait did i say that right <laughs> that was wrong let's try that again But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5, 16. So we all need some work, right? I do at least. Very very nice. Um, So I'm not going to get to the memory verse right now. We're going to save that for later. But it is important that the, the verses that we do memorize, and not just the verses, but Scripture in general, 
Not just that it's in our minds and that we can recite it, but that it makes its way to our heart and it actually changes who we are, right? That's the key, is that we are changed people by God's word and God's spirit, that we can do his will and that which he's called us to. But before I get started, I want to clear up something in general about sin. This is something that I wrestled with many years ago, and it may not be evident or clear for everyone in here as well. But who has ever heard the term or the phrase, all sin is equal in the eyes of God? Okay, a lot of people out there. So many of us believe that. But I don't think that that's true. I don't think scripture suggests that that is true. We could do I could do a whole sermon on just trying to get at the heart of the issue of the various different degrees of sin. But I'm not going to do that. I just want to touch on this subject because I think it's important for us to think about that concept. And I think why we struggle with tolerating sin within our own lives. So. In the Bible, in Proverbs, the author of Proverbs, which are, which is mainly Solomon, but Proverbs, it says that there are six things that the Lord hates and there are seven things that are detestable to him. Who has heard that? Okay. So why, if all sin is equal, that God, through his spirit, through the author, would pull out six And seven, and list them. There must be some difference of sins in God's eyes. Why would he use such a strong word as hate and detestable when all sin would be equal in the eyes of God? So also, if you think about when you read the Old Testament, there were different degrees of punishment for the different degrees of sin. That would also give us an indication that That sin may not be equal in the eyes of God. Also, within the New Testament, there also Jesus alludes to there is one sin, right, that is unforgivable. All other sins, according to the Bible, are forgivable. But there's one sin that is unforgivable, and that's the sin, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is essentially attributing the acts of God to Satan. So I wanted to just clear that up, that all sin is not equal in the eyes of God, but this is a very big, important statement that we should all recognize, and that is, no matter what the sin is, each and every sin is equally punishable and deserving of condemnation and hell. So there's two different there's two different things here, right? There is no matter what it is, sin is bad and God cannot be in the presence of sin no matter what sin it is. And then there's another level is according to scripture, I believe that there are different degrees of heinousness or evilness of sins. Okay? But I think that is what gets us in trouble. Excuse me. Because instead of comparing our sin to a holy and righteous God and seeing ourselves compared to him and his standard, we often compare ourselves to our friends or non-Christians or those other sins. And that's where we get ourselves in trouble because we're doing the comparison game when really we should be comparing ourselves to the absolute holiness of God. Amen? So the sin that we're going to talk about today is gossip. Has anybody ever heard a sermon on gossip? Anybody? Okay. A few hands out there. It's probably not something that's typically preached upon on a Sunday morning. So it'll be exciting to be able to say And tell you and share with you what God's word has to say about gossip. 
So gossip, if you think about it, can be referred to as both a verb and a noun. A verb in the sense of what we do and a noun in the sense of a type of person who engages in the sin. So first, before we go to God's word, I want to share what the dictionary has to say about gossip. Okay, gossip, according to the dictionary, as a verb, is the casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people involving details that are not confirmed as being true. Okay, that's a verb. Here's the noun. A person who habitually reveals personal or sensational facts or information about others. Now, we don't want to confuse gossip with slander. God's word has a lot to say about both of them. Gossip, I just read to you with the dictionary, defines gossip as slander, in other words, or on the other hand, is intentionally making up, giving false report about people. So they're two different things. But we're going to focus today on gossip. But we can define, based on the dictionary, all we want. But we know that the true source of truth comes from God's Word. So we're going to now dig in to what God's Word has to say about gossip. So if you're reading the Bible, trying to determine if you can come across a definition specific to gossip, you're not going to find it. It doesn't define the terms. God doesn't say, here's gossip and this is exactly what gossip means. So in my studies, I came across a great article on Desiring God. Not sure if any of you have been to that website before. It's a ministry by John Piper, a lot of good information. But I came across an article, and I think it explains it much better than I could have. So I'm going to read you a little excerpt from this article. What the article said was, The scriptures do not provide a definition of gossip in one location. Instead, they describe gossip in action and intimately tie it to the character of the people participating in In this tantalizing sin, the Bible often uses the word gossip to describe a kind of person more than just a pattern of communication. My way of summarizing, not my way, the author's way, my way of summarizing the Bible's teaching on this topic is to say that the sin of gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. Let me say that again. Bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. This functional definition considers the action itself, the content of the corrupt communication, the situation in which it occurs, and perhaps most importantly, the motivations of the people involved. And that was from Matt Mitchell. He's the author of Resisting Gossip. Winning the War of the Waging Tongue, and he served as pastor of the Lance Evangelical Free Church in central Pennsylvania since 1998. So this is also an opinion of a man that is getting his definition from what he's reading in Scripture. So let's just dig into Scripture itself, shall we? So within my study, I discovered... The most frequent use of the term gossip is in the book of Proverbs. Gossip is often referred to as whisperer within the English Standard Version, which is the predominant version that we use here at this church. So please turn with me to Proverbs, which is in the Old Testament, right after Psalms. We're going to go to chapter 16 and verse 28. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 28. 
The English Standard Version says a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Now let's turn to Proverbs chapter 26. And we're going to go to verse 20. Proverbs 26, verse 20. The word says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Okay? Now let's go to Proverbs chapter 26, verse 22. You don't have to go very far. And we read this. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Let's go to one last verse in Proverbs and we'll rest there. Let's go to Proverbs 18. Go back a few chapters. In verse 8 of Proverbs 18, verse 8. It essentially says the same thing as the last proverb that we just read. It says, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the innermost parts of the body. So, in each one of these instances, you saw that word, whisperer, right? This is a Hebrew word, which is nirgan, which literally means to roll to pieces or a tailbearer or a whisperer. So, in those passages, right, that we read, God's word talks about the one who is doing the whispering and the one who's doing the listening, right? He's talking about the whisperer, the gossiper, and the listener. Somebody who's doing the talking of gossip and somebody who's eagerly listening to the gossip. So there is something... According to Proverbs 18.8, which again I'll state, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the innermost parts of the body. So that suggests that there is something within our fallen nature that is excitably drawn to gossip. The proverb states that information from a gossip or a whisperer are like delicious Morsels, they go down to the innermost parts of the body. The scripture is likening the consuming of gossip to the consuming of delicious food. Some people naturally crave and thrive on receiving information about others. There could be a host of psychological reasons for this. I think one of the most intriguing ones is that we like to be people who are in a position to be in the know. It gives us a sense of power and position, especially if we have inside negative information about others. In fact, the information often allows us to feel better about ourselves. Is that not right? If we aren't content with our own lives, as long as we can hear negative information about somebody else, it makes us feel Better. So I found it interesting also that when I was doing this study that I wanted to see what the secular world had to say about gossip. Not only God's word, but I wonder if there's any science behind gossip. And I came across an article in Time magazine, which I found was very interesting. And I'm going to quote to you from Time magazine. In 2015 study published in Social Neuroscience, scientists looked at brain imaging of men and women as they heard positive and negative gossip about themselves. 
their best friends and celebrities, people hearing gossip, good and bad, about themselves, as well as negative gossip in general, showed more activity in the prefrontal cortex of their brains, which is key to our ability to navigate complex social problems. This activity indicated the subjects responded to gossip and its insight. The authors say this is related to our desire to be positively seen by others and to fit in socially, regardless of whether this reflects what we're really actually feeling. The study also stated that the caudate nucleus, I'm not a biologist or scientist or whatever, some of you may know what that is, but it's a reward center in the brain was activated in response to negative gossip about celebrities. Subjects seem to be amused or entertained by salacious celebrity scandals. The researchers also polled how the subjects felt in addition to studying what their brain images revealed. Not surprisingly, they were happier to hear positive gossip about themselves and more irked by hearing negative gossip about themselves as opposed to hearing gossip about others. Even in the secular scientific community, there proves that there is something within our flesh that is unfortunately likes to hear negative information about others. But I think what this does is it further corroborates or confirms the fallen nature of man, of humankind. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Right? It says that there is not anyone that is good. It doesn't say that we're as bad as we could be. But it says that at the nature of who we are, we have a sin-sick heart. And this article, most importantly, God's Word, confirms that fact. So let's move from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And there's a passage that I'd like to share with you that talks about gossip as well, and that is in Romans. So if you would turn to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Right after the book of Acts. Romans chapter 1, we're going to be talking about verses 29 through 32. And this is Paul, who wrote the book to the Romans, right, this letter to the Romans. And this is what he states in these verses. He says, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree and that those who practice such things deserve to die, They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So God must be serious about his repulsion of gossip. To write through his spirit, through Paul, to number gossip with the slanderers, the haters of God, the insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Do we take gossip that serious? The Greek word also in the English for gossip in this passage literally means whisperer. So in this verse, Paul is referring to the type of person who is who is the whisperer, which is counted amongst all these other sins. It is interesting that the word that keeps coming up 
is the word whisperer, right? We're talking about gossip, but it's often being translated as whisperer. And you can probably picture in your mind, and maybe you've been on the giving or the receiving side of a whisper. You can picture two people that are out in public, and one is approaching the other one's ear and looks over to their left shoulder and their right shoulder to see if anybody's listening. And they, you know, they bend over and they do exactly what this picture is showing. When I think about whisperer in the scriptures, that's what I'm thinking about. Remember what I mentioned earlier from the article. The definition of gossip that we're going to be talking about today, that we're talking about, is bearing the bad news behind somebody's back out of a bad heart. Now, the concept I want to talk about and switch into now is talking about somebody out of a bad heart. I'll take that off there so you're not distracted. So, Scripture often talks about, not only in the physical of what we're doing, but more importantly, the motivation of our heart. Christ revealed this truth on the Sermon on the Mount by not only suggesting, right, that the physical act of committing the sin is the sin, but he raised the bar. He didn't really raise the bar. He just corrected people's thinking about what sin really was. Sin is an attitude of the heart. He talks about the sin of anger and the sin of adultery and how anger isn't just getting angry and doing something physical, right? It starts with the attitude of your heart. And he also mentioned that it's not about the physical act of adultery, but he said, If you've lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is stored up in our heart will ultimately come out of our mouths and ultimately through our actions. So gossip ultimately boils down to an issue with our heart. When we eagerly listen to or flagrantly commit the sin of gossip, we are revealing our heart isn't in the place where God wants it to be. So what shall we do? What kind of attitude of the heart should we have? What does Scripture call us to do? Well, Scripture calls us to do The opposite of gossip. And that's where we're going to go into Ephesians chapter 4. This is a passage that Pastor Matt shared a couple weeks ago. And I found that it was fitting to share again this morning. Go forward a few books in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. God's word states that let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those that hear. So let me say that again. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those that hear. So do you think that gossip is consistent with this admonition? No. God says, let how much corrupting talk come out of your mouth? Absolutely none. Wow, that's hard. Especially when we're dealing with anger that we talked about several weeks ago. When we're really angry, we tend to say a lot of things that we otherwise wouldn't say. But let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good 
for building up. So it's not only a negative commandment. Hey, don't do this. But it's a positive commandment. Hey, do this. No corrupting talk. But only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those that hear. What does gossip do? We, we, we learn in Proverbs what gossip does. It separates close friends. It's not building up. It's breaking down. Gossip will tear apart relationships. But we're called to not gossip. Don't let corrupting talk come out of our mouths. But build people up to give grace to those that hear. So practically speaking, what is gossip? What does it sound like? Because I know all of us may have our own individual opinions on what gossip is versus what non-gossip is. So I'm just going to give you a few examples of things that you may hear every single day, one of which might be a surprise to you. So what about this one? Did you hear about so-and-so? Now that's different, isn't it, than, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Do you notice the difference there? Which one do you think has malicious intent? Hey, did you, did you hear about so-and-so? Or, hey, did you hear about them? It's, it's a matter of the heart. You aren't going to believe this, but... How about this one? Can you believe what he or she did? Now, I'm not saying that there's ever a time that we shouldn't share negative information. There's prudent times that you have to share negative information, right? But it has to be the attitude of the heart. What about this one? This one, this one stings. I heard this once in one of the classes we were, I think it was uh, Charlie Bird's, one of his classes, uh, a video series. The gentleman was a pastor and he brought this up. He said, oftentimes, this is how we gossip within the church. Hey, we need to pray for so-and-so. Doesn't that hurt? We need to pray about so-and-so or for so-and-so. Well, are you really having a pure motive when you're sharing that information? Because there's times, believe me, You can do a heart check. And what's going on within your heart is just, there's this information within me that I need to tell somebody about. It's not necessarily that I'm concerned about this person and what they're going through. I just need to tell somebody. But how can I do that? I can disguise it as a prayer request. Okay? Let's not do that. So, we all know what gossip is. But how do we put this sin to death within our own lives? So, what I'm going to do now is give a few practical ways or questions that you can ask yourselves before you engage in a conversation that you may think may be a gossip conversation. One is... Before we speak or listen, why don't we ask ourselves, is what I'm about to share necessary? Is, is the thing that's on my heart right now that I want to tell somebody so bad, is it necessary that they know this information? Maybe. Maybe not. Is what I'm about to share kind or building up? Remember the passage that we read, the memory verse is still up here. Is it is it tearing down or is it building up? Is what I'm about to share out of a pure heart? Heart check. It all comes down to the motivation of the heart many times. Is what I'm about to share out of a pure heart? And ultimately, is what I'm about to share 
glorifying to God. We should always ask ourselves that question. Because our chief end as man is to, is to love God and enjoy him forever, says the catechism. So that's all about being on the giving of gossip side. What if you're on the receiving side of gossip? There's a few ways that you can respond there too. One is, you can sit in annoying silence. Has anybody done this? Been in a very gossip-filled conversation and you just sit back and you're looking for a way of escape, but you don't really say anything and you just kind of listen to what they have to say and then you're glad when the conversation's over? That's one way you can react, but probably not the best way. What about this? What about if you are on the recipient end, if somebody's trying to share gossip with you, what about saying something positive about that person? Usually it shuts it down right away. Correct? If somebody's saying negative things about somebody and all of a sudden you say something positive, that's probably going to end the conversation. Or you can respond this way. You can just straight up call people out. There's probably a time and a place for that, right? You can be discerning of that. Allow the Spirit to guide you. But if somebody is talking gossip and all of a sudden you say, Hey, you know, this sounds a lot to me like gossip. And I don't like to hear gossip. So can we talk about something else? Has anybody ever done that? It's not an easy thing to do, is it? Especially if you're in a group. It's okay if you're one-on-one with somebody, right? If you're in a group of people at work and there's five people around and they're all gossiping, not as easy to say that, is it? You know, one of the things that I enjoy about working where I work, which is Mid-American National Bank, a few years ago, we defined what our core values were as a company. And one of the core values of our company is respect. So we have core values, and then we have these things called values in action, or the things in which allow us practically to put these things into place, putting the value in action. And one of the values in action that we have, that we say, is that we do not tolerate Gossip. I think we need to say that within our own lives. Because I'm guilty. I'm sure all of you are guilty of gossiping. But we need to have that within our hearts and within our minds that within God's word, we don't gossip and we don't tolerate gossip. When preparing for this message, I felt deeply convicted. I'm sure many of you are feeling the same way. We often know how we ought to act, and many times we operate in the opposite context. God's word is very obvious on this subject, and he takes the sin very seriously, and so should we. Thankfully, it's a big thankfully, he has not left us dead in our own sin. Amen? For those of you who have put their full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, based on what He accomplished on the cross on our behalf. Our sin has been atoned for. And it's been placed as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? It's about as far as you can get. But Jesus did not stay on the cross, did he? He didn't stay in the tomb either. He rose... And he's our living advocate to this day. The Old Testament law was brought forth to reveal sin and allow us to recognize we could never measure up. And if we were to fulfill the law, we would have to rely on someone outside of ourselves, Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he forgave once and for all our sins. 
for the sins for those people that would believe in his name. There's forgiveness and reconciliation to God through Christ. When a believer is saved, the Holy Spirit takes residence within their heart. And what was once impossible is now possible. The Spirit of God convicts, corrects, teaches, empowers, and allows the believer to continually be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That is what they call the sanctifying power of the Spirit. That's a big, fancy word. The word sanctification simply means becoming more of what God wants you to be. So, that sanctification process is comparing our legal position to our living condition. So, our legal position, if you are a believer in Christ, you have been declared... Righteous. You have been justified, not from what we do, but on the work of what Christ did. That's our legal position. Our legal position is, you are innocent because of what Christ did. But what's our living condition? Our living condition is what we're living in right now. So here's our legal position. Righteousness of Christ, justified, sinless. Here's our living condition. You notice there's something there? This is a gap. And that's the sanctification process. That's moving from how we're living to what our legal position is in Christ. But thanks be to Christ that through His Spirit, He has given us power over sin. If we just yield to the Spirit and walk in freedom that has already been granted us. Just like Pastor Matt talked about a couple weeks ago, or was last week. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I got it right that time. But for those of you that have not placed your trust in Jesus, you have no such hope. The wrath of God rests upon you and you are destined to be separated from God and hell for all eternity. What is keeping you from committing to him? What is keeping you from believing upon his name? So I'm sure that there are some individuals in here that haven't given their life to Jesus. In fact, They may be new to this congregation or there may be some people that have played church for a long time and really haven't given their lives to Jesus. I want to speak to you all right now. I want you all to cry out to God and to ask him to reveal himself to you in a real tangible way before it's too late. Because there will be a time when it is too late. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow here on this earth. He is our only hope. Jesus is our only hope. Amen. So I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And I want to challenge us. That it's easy to come on Sunday morning and to hear a message and to think about it and to allow it to sink within our brains. But scripture calls us to not just hear what the words of scripture has to say, but to actually do what they say. So I want to challenge each and every one of you that as you sit under this teaching, and not only don't limit it to just Sunday morning. We need to be in our Bibles, understanding what God wants for us through his word. He has given us his will and his word, and that's the guide. That's our light. It's our path. So I want to challenge us all to take this to heart, to not only be hearers of this word,
but to make it an effort each and every day by the Spirit of God because we cannot do it in and of ourselves. We all know that. That's why, that's why the Old Testament law was brought forth, right? To reveal the sin within us so that we can recognize that we need a Savior and we need Jesus. But those of us that have, that have trusted in Jesus, the Spirit dwells within us and we have that power. And we need to walk in that and challenge ourselves day in and day out to put sin to death within our own lives. And that includes the sin of gossip. So with his power, may we keep his commandments. And when we fall, may we confess our sins as he has promised to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We must not just confess our sins, which is agreeing with God about the heinousness of our sin. But we must repent, which really means the changing of our minds and the turning away. Right? Confession is just speaking to God and agreeing that we sinned. Repentance is saying, okay, now I'm heading in a completely different direction. So maybe work towards that. May we become more and more like Jesus every single day that he gives us on this earth. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. When we are faithless... You are faithful. Your promises always come to pass. And you work together all things for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Thank you for the grace that you've given us through your Son, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May we seek to be empowered by the Spirit to work out our salvation with fear and trembling to be imitators of Christ, to grow each and every day to become more and more like Him. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.